episode number 52 of the Divorce Resource Guy podcast coming your way. Today's topic, letting go. Are you having problems letting go? Welcome to the Divorce Resource Guy podcast with Jason Lavoie, aka the Divorce Resource Guy, a former divorce attorney turned divorce coach, talking about all things divorce, including the good, bad, and the ugly from an attorney's point of view. Remember, you're not alone. And now your host, Jason Lavoy. All right. Welcome, everybody. Hope you had a nice weekend. And here we are. We're ready to go. Today's guest is a great one, Jill Sherry Murray. She's a best-selling author. She's a TEDx speaker, influencer, coach, and founder for Let's Go For It. It's a lifestyle brand dedicated to helping individuals let go for a better life and business uh, and for better communications and results. She's also an award-winning journalist and communication specialist who can trace practically every success she's had in her career, love life, and more to, yes, letting go. So let's talk about letting go because that's so important when we're talking about divorce, moving on and getting past some trauma in your life. Without further ado, it is my great pleasure to introduce to you Jill Sherr Murray. Jill, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you on. So great to be here, Jason. Thanks for having me. Thanks for inviting me. No, absolutely. Um, You are going to be a great guest uh, because you are going to be talking about some real positivity, I think, um, and the whole idea of letting go. So Mm -hmm. first, for people who are not uh, too familiar with you, Give me a little bit of a background as far as, you know, how did you get to this spot? Well, first of all, you're setting the bar very high for me. <laughs> Tell them I'm going to be like a very mediocre guest. And then, then, then everybody's happy and surprised. I'm just you're self-sabotaging <laughs> yourself. <laughs> I know. Um, so I am, I am a... Um, a writer and a, and a journalist and a communications person by trade who happened to spend a large part of her life dating very poorly. And I, um, had a very long, I, I, yes, I know. Gosh, boy, I sure am not. Um, and I, I had a very long-term relationship when I was in my thirties and early forties with a wonderful man who I loved a lot who I always hoped would marry me. Um, And that never happened. And so over the years, I would kind of push down the idea that he didn't want it. He was very open and honest about it. And so I never did anything about it for 12 years. And then in the 12th year, I had a very large epiphany. Um, Something happened that I talk about in my TEDx talk in my book that really had me come to a come to Jesus moment. It's either, you know, look at this and do something about it or don't. And this will be your life. And I realized in that moment that I had to let go of this man who I deeply loved, who was wonderful, who did not want what I did. And by proxy, I had to let go of everything else in my life because I knew that if I didn't let go of where I lived and my job and my condo and all the things that surrounded me in that very long-term relationship, it would be way too easy to just keep going back to it and back to it. So I decided to just let go of everything and take a chance on myself at 41 years old. 
I lived in Chicago for 20 years, which I love. I just love the city of Chicago every time. It's like a human being to me. Like I just think of it as this beloved old friend. But, you know, I came, I moved back east where I'm from and I started all over again. I, I, you know, found a place to live and I reconnected with some old friends, but made new friends. And I decided that, you know, when I was ready, I was going to start dating again. And when that time came, I was, um, I was not going to attach to an outcome and that I was going to really look and understand why I made the choices that I made in my life, why I chose the partners that were horrible, why I chose the wonderful partner who still was never going to get me all the way where I wanted to go and who I was and what got me in those situations so that I could really not just take accountability, but get more control over what I wanted in life and how I went after it and how I really felt about myself. And I had never done that before. I had never taken a breath between relationships. I'd always gone from one to the next, the next, the next, looking for that outside validation, which so many of us do. Um, But it was only once that I really did take that breath and decide and make the conscious choice that at 41, if I never got married, if I never found that person, I was still going to have a happy life because there were many ways to do that. And so once I pulled all of that pressure and all of that fear and desperation and confusion away from me, it was like pulling off a whole other skin, you know, and really went, went hard into that mirror to understand. It was so freeing, Jason. It was like all of a sudden an entirely different life opened up, really. One that was much more fun, um, much less pressure. One that was filled with much less terror and desperation and anxiety. And it was really about, you know, okay, you're, you know, you're in the director's chair and you really are in the director's chair and really believing that. And then it just got to be, okay, now I know, now I know what I want. Now I know what I deserve. And now I just have to keep making those choices, letting go of the wrong things, the wrong people, what doesn't feel right, what I don't want, being very vigilant about why I'm pulling in what I'm pulling in, and then choosing the right things for myself. And ultimately I did. And I wound up being the man I would get married to. And we've been happily married for 14 years. Wow. It's been 14 years already. 14 I, I, years already. I, I <laughs> time flies, right? Time really flies. Yeah. Well, Jill, you said so many things that I not only agree with, but I could talk about with an hour for you. And I'm, I'm just so glad. I mean, being the director of your life, um, you know, letting go, it reminds me of, it's like when you tell your story, I picture a skin shedding its, a snake shedding its skin. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the, the old skin is kind of left behind and you got the new fresh skin. And I don't know, that's just the imagery that comes to my mind. Yeah. I don't know why it's a snake, but we well, won't talk you know, but, he, you know, but I do love the, well, a snake. Okay. Well, right. <laughs> well, we don't want to use butterfly because that's, you know, that's all been overused, but, but, you know, here's, here's the thing, you know, I think we, I think we do that in part sometimes, and then we shed that skin. And we look at that skin and we go, oh, good. I'm glad to be done with it. But I, I didn't feel that way about it. I felt like, okay, you know, I still, I learned to love that part because it was the part that kept, helped me to evolve my way up the, 
up the rung in terms of life and love and the choices that I was making for myself, but most importantly, how I defined myself, how I saw myself, what I came to believe, just the most important word ever, what I came to believe about what was possible for me in love and really in all aspects of my life. And to believe also that I, that I deserved the things that I wanted, which was something that I had never done and never really believed or understood before because so much of it happens in our subconscious. We don't access that every day. We don't even, you know, I make a joke. I'm like, you know, when the cavemen were out in the woods and they heard, you know, a rustling in the grass, they didn't stop and put their hands on their chin and go, hmm, do I believe that I hear something? Right. No. <laughs> They like went into action and it's so much of how we live when we are surviving or trying to get the, our human basic needs met, love, food, shelter, clothing, you know, we're not stopping to contemplate what we believe or the way we see, is the way we see the world actually true? Um, do we have a choice? Do we have control? You know, right. it took, it takes a long time. Some people never come to it. You know, it took me half my life to figure out yes to all of the above, but I had to do the, the work. But, you know, it's so interesting to me because a lot of people, I think, I mean, I've spoken to them. I know they're out there. A lot of people in your situation who are, let's say, in their early 40s feel like, oh, well, I made the wrong choices, but it's too late. Life has passed me by. There's no way I can, you know, start over uh, at mm -hmm. 40. And mm -hmm. I, I always say, you know, we've all heard the saying, uh, life is short, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and, yes. it is, and it is. But when you're in the wrong situation, so very long. long person, life is very long. <laughs> right. It's so very, it's so very long. That's right. And, you know, and a lot of that talk track ran in, th in through my head, even in my 30s, while I was still there knowing that this person was never going to give me what I wanted. Watching my friends, you know, marry and have families and do all these things. And I convinced myself that it was the best I could do. And I would say, you know, it's too late for me to start over. I've invested all of this time. You know, I say in my book, like people without feeling, you know, I let go of this man without feeling like I just took all the money in my 401k and threw it into the lake. You right. know, it's like we make these investments in relationships um, and other things. You know, we make investments in friendships. We make investments in jobs or careers. And, you know, we trick ourselves into believing that we have this finite amount of time to enjoy, embrace our lives or do the things that we want to do without ever acknowledging that, you know, we're human beings who change if, if we're doing it right we're changing. And so we always have that option, but, and especially I think women, as we get to that, that 40 point, it's like, well, our best years are behind us. And you know what? I actually had someone say that to me. You gave this man your best years. They're gone. No, I, I don't, said, I don't agree with that at all. There was a time where I would have been crushed by that. But again, the journey of of cultivating big wild love is that you know that no matter what happens, your best years are always in this moment or just ahead of you because you are in charge of that now. You know not to make those 
choices anymore or to allow yourself to stay stuck in a situation that you know in your in your heart of hearts is just not going to take you there but you're so busy wrapped up in what you said which is that fear of oh my god you know now i'm i'm this old or now i'm at this point and it's too late to change it's yeah. never too late no absolutely not and i mean you could look at it from so many different points of view and that's really what it all comes down to you know if you say to yourself, oh, at 40, I'm all washed up, you ha- let's say you live to 80, which is, a, I think, a conservative kind of number these days. That's another 40 years. Right. 40 years to do That's something. That's right. Right? All right. And then people who say, oh, so you're getting me all riled up. <laughs> do it. Go for it. <laughs> people who say uh, to you and to others that, Oh, you gave your best years away to this man or to whomever. That that's a person to me who is living with a lot of regret in their lives. Yes. And and, and that's unfortunate and sad, but that doesn't have to be you. And if you're listening, that doesn't have to be you. Um, that's great advice, Jason, and so dead on, so true. It's all so it's very all how true. You look at it, yeah. Um, it's uh, you know, it's so often. We don't know that unless we have cultivated that big wild love for ourselves. We we don't what you just said is so incredibly powerful because we don't we don't know that. There's kind of like a pre-big wild love and a post-big wild love. When we don't have that, we we are we are crushed by those statements. We don't understand, we're we're not able to understand that when people say and do things like that, it's more about them. And that projection and that transference onto us, then it actually being about us. Right. And so, um, you know, people that hold on, you know, some of the women that I talk to, you know, they hold on to these relationships. They either broken up or they're divorced and they're still holding on to that ex or they're still holding on to that life they thought they would have. And it's really because. It's not about that. It's not about that person. Just as their stuff is not about us, our stuff is never about them. They're just, they're just like play, play pieces. They're like props. They're like catalysts for us. You know, if I'm holding on to something from a long time ago, it's because I'm too afraid for whatever reason to let it go. So there's a payoff for me. In holding on to it. It's never about what that person's doing or what they did or whatever. It's about my fear of stepping forward. And that's the work of Big Wild Love. So, yeah, there's always an underlying uh, theme. Right. You know, and that's so true. I feel like we're getting into a deep therapy session here, but I I, I love it. Uh, I know. I'm free today. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, let me get the couch. I got to lie down. Well, let me, let me yeah. ask you something, Jill, um, before I forget, because when you were talking about your path and your journey, mm-hmm. and after you let go of your relationship, your, your prior marriage, your process for kind of rediscovering yourself and, and getting through all that and doing the work, and it sounds like you put mm-hmm. in the work, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm always telling that to people, you got to put in the work, otherwise you're going to repeat the same mistakes. Yep. Did you do that yourself or did you have help? So I actually did that myself, but 
I think that asking for help and good credit are the meaning of life. So there had been moments in my life prior to meeting the last relationship, the good, the good relationship with the wonderful man. His name was Hector. I dated horrible men. They were awful. They were terrible. They were liars and cheaters and terrible. And not only did I not toss them out on their butts, but I begged them to stay because I had nothing. I did go to therapy. I did go to counseling and I found it very helpful. And I think that's the way that I was able to finally invite in a good person like Hector was. He didn't get me all the way there, but um, a good person. So I was moving up the ladder. But when I left him, I didn't, I didn't reach out to a counselor or a therapist. Instead, I really took a hard look at myself in the mirror and I allowed myself to feel that epiphany that, that I couldn't unsee that told me these were now my choices. I could hold on and have the same thing for the rest of my life and say goodbye to myself and not take any chances on myself, or I could let go, fully detach, say thank you. You know, I, I leave you. I love you. I care about you. We just want different things. And I need to go forward and find that because I deserve that. You know, and even in those moments when we're not sure, we have to just sit down and say, but I do deserve that. Why don't I deserve that? And, and journal it out, like list the reasons why, why don't I deserve the things that I want? You know? So it's, it's getting in that mirror and really asking and answering those hard, hard questions, which is, okay, you made mistakes. It's not just his fault. Nobody changed you to an iron bed. Right. You could have left any time. So if you're pissed at yourself, get it out. If you feel angry with yourself or like you're stupid or you wasted your best years, okay, you need to feel that. How are you going to feel that? Are you going to just lay around the sofa and get all snotty and eat pizza and watch lifetime television. Okay. Do it. Do whatever you have to do to make peace with that. And to get to that place where you can get rid of all those feelings and start to say, okay, why did I choose this? Why did I stay when I knew it wasn't going to get me where I wanted to go? And then how do I let go so that I'm free to move forward and not make those same mistakes again. What are the lessons that I take away from that? You know, in my, I, I, I create, came up with a letting go process. And in that process, this is my step two. The first step is having an epiphany and being willing to see it because we have epiphanies all the time that we ignore and we bury. And then once you have that epiphany, even if it's a change inspires a change for the better, it's still hard. You know, letting go is about grief and loss. Even if it's for the better, even if it's ultimately freeing you to find something else, something you are letting go of that's hard to let go of, you're, it's hard to let go of it because you ascribed a value to it. Yeah. And so you have to feel the, the pain and the grief of that loss. What happens, I think, to a lot of people, Jason, is that they don't go through that step because it's too hard. It hurts. Mm -hmm. And they don't want to sit there and they don't want to deal with it. And they don't want to look at their role. They don't want to take that accountability. Spot and, on. Yeah. It's and so, yeah. but when you do, when you do, it's, it's so amazing because it really allows you to kind of close the chapter. And, you know, people say, oh, I want to get closure. I, I, I'm not someone that believes we get closure from other people. 
I just don't. First of all, I need closure from an old, an ex, from a relationship, from an ex-husband, from an ex-wife, from an ex-partner. How do you even know what they're, A, that what they're telling you in the said closure is true? B, are they self-aware or self-actualized to even know why they behave the way they behave? Like there's too many variables. I, it's like getting in the car with a drunk driver. I wouldn't, we get our own, we have to be like self-cleaning ovens. We get our own closure. That's it. It's about you. It's right. Closure is not about them. It's about you and and getting closure with yourself and your issues and hangups. You're never going to get the answers you want. I, that's a whole nother right. podcast. <laughs> right. I, but, but I completely, I completely agree with you. I completely agree with you. It's, and we spend so much time there. I know I did. I spent yeah, years armchair diagnosing my boyfriend, years working on him, never looking at myself. Well, that's but what it. Ha- yeah. But, we, but what happens when you get through that second step and you have worked through all the feelings and you've gotten to the heart of what do I believe to be true about myself? What do I think I deserve? What do I think is available to me? You know, ha- who do I want to be? How do I see myself in love and life? Once you have worked through all that and you're not so snotty anymore, you can finally pick yourself up off the sofa and find your way to a piece of lettuce. Um, put the Ben and Jerry's down. Put the Ben and Jerry's. Well, don't get carried away. But, <laughs> <laughs> but then then the good stuff starts. Like that's when you can start to imagine what you want for the future and, you know, really think about what do you want? And that's, and that's, in doing the research for my book, what I, what I found, which I thought was just so fascinating is that we, we don't know very much about ourselves. We have no idea what we believe, none, until we wake up to, we get very conscious about figuring that out. And we have no idea what we want. None. Like, I can't tell you how many people I talk to and I'm like, well, what do you want? I don't know. I guess I'll, I guess I'll know it when I see it. No. Well, it be because it takes work, Jill. And, and people <laughs> don't put in the work. And I think that's the moral of this whole little segment here is that you, I think, and feel free to tell me I'm wrong, but... Mm-hmm. In your prior experience with therapy, you probably learned some of the great tools and techniques to use that you used on your own to to go through this process. And it's a process. It's a systematic it Definitely. Thing. I'm not a therapist, definitely. but I've talked to many of them. You know, it's a process and it's hard, right? You got to go through the mud to get clean kind of thing. Yeah, for and sure. People do not like to go through the mud because they nope. have to look at themselves and take accountability and... It's ugly, right. but right. But it's necessary. And you did that. It, it is necessary. And it's not even that they don't want to, it's not even that people don't want to feel bad. Although I agree with you, they don't. I call that the tunnel of pain. They don't want to go through the tunnel of pain. Right. They just stare at it. They just, how can I walk over it or beside it or swim under it? Anything but go in it. I don't want to go in it. I just want to get really fast to the other side. Um, but they also are afraid to make a mistake. If I let go of this, oh, did I do the right thing? Well, if I let go of this wonderful guy, maybe I'll never meet anyone else again. Maybe that was my only chance. Like, but then I don't have anyone to blame but myself because he didn't let go of me. I let go of him. Right. There's, there's a, there's risks, there's minds, there's, there's, 
you know, speed bumps all the way through. And at each, at each checkpoint, we're asking ourselves, oh my God, I'm, I'm afraid to do this. Like, should I take this risk? So I, it's really, should I take this bet on myself? And that's why I always come back to that big wild love because it is the ground under our feet. If you are walking up to the edge of the cliff and you say, you know what? I'm going to take that big leap. I'm going to take that big leap out of my marriage, back into my marriage, letting go of the things, all the things that my horrible things that my partner did to me 8,000 years ago. I'm going to take that really bad, big, bad leap off the cliff. And I'm going to look down and there's no net there. I'm not, I'm not taking that leap. But if you know you're the net, you are the actual net that when you jump off that cliff and get to the bottom, your feet inflate like pillows and save you. But because that's really what it is. It's we have to be able to, you know, assess our risks and know that no matter what happens in life, we're going to be okay because we have us and we will always choose what's in our best interest. And that gives us safety to take those risks. And it's all about safety. We're just wired for safety. And and I think, and I might be talking out of school here, but I just think overall people are risk averse, right? People do not like uncertainty. Um, Right. So to say, to ask somebody to take that risk and jump off the cliff, not knowing where the bottom is. Right. Who, right. You're crazy. Who's going to do that? But right. That, but right. No. What's that phrase? Um, oh, no risk, no reward, something like that. Um, right. But here's the thing, Jason, like, even when we think, I mean, look at what we're living in. If you would have asked any single person on this planet, on this globe, December 31st, as they were, you know, drinking champagne and ringing in the new year, if any of us thought, you know, I'll tell you the story. My husband and I went to a, we went to like a artsy fair thing and there was a woman there and she was, you know, she was a psychic and she said some crazy stuff to all of us. Like, you know, you should pay off your house, you should move, you should start stocking things. And she was saying all these things. And we were like, she is a lunatic. This woman is insane. I mean, in hindsight, I get the chills when I think about some of the things that she was saying to us, because, you know, we all, we, none of us would have predicted that, you know, come February, January, February, we would, we would begin the process of entering an unprecedented time in the history of our lives. And we would not only have to get comfortable with uncertainty, we would have to pull up the bedposts and lock the doors and build house inside of that structure of uncertainty. So really, we, we've been living in the illusion of certainty, but, but we're never, it's never a sure thing, which is why if we aren't always able, and I just, I can't say this enough. If we aren't always able to put that ground under our feet, then we're always living in a very precarious state. And that's why I feel so passionately about that piece of it, because so many of the women that reach out to me after they see my talk you know, they talk to me about what their partners are doing and not doing or giving them or promise them or not promise them. And they're so sad 
and desperate. And they're all ages from like 20 to 60. And I just want to hug them because I see so much of myself in them. Right. And, um, and I, and I just say, you know, it's not about the other person. It's just not, you know, you have to really find your way home. You are the director of your life. And believe that you right. have to believe it. You got to buy in. You yeah. got to buy in. You got to go all in. Right. All and and in. it's, it's getting that person to that point. Uh, and that's where the transformation begins. And right. right. And it's not like, you know, it's not like life is ever perfect. You know, I have a not. lot of moments like, okay, I published, I finally had my first book published in May in the middle of a global pandemic and then race riots and civil unrest. And, you know, I, I was, I spent a lot of time with a large box of chocolate chip cookies and a box of tissues, like, you know, but again, it's not to say that life gets perfect because that's not what happens, but you always have the biggest tool in the toolbox to get you through. And so, you know, when you've eaten that 50th cookie inside of 12 minutes, (laughs) (laughs) right? That it's okay. That if you feel guilty for five minutes, you're like, just publish a book in the middle of a global pandemic, pass the cookies, right? Like, you know, you know about self-forgiveness, you know about self-compassion, you know, that not, that everything ebbs and flows and that nothing lasts forever. And that, yeah, it sucks and you feel awful but you know that at some point you are going to be okay because you will pull yourself up and out. Yeah. Um, and there's no perfection and that should not be for anybody's perfection because it doesn't exist. And, uh, boring, boring, <laughs> boring, right. Who wants boring. <laughs> right. But, but right. You, you just got to, I mean, life like divorce is, is a roller coaster. Um, mm-hmm. and, and you've got, you have to learn to ride the ride um, mm-hmm. and love the ride. And that's mm-hmm. part of it too, right? It's, it's all about the journey and mm-hmm. everybody wants to get to the destination, but the journey is where the action is, you know? Right. And, and it's, it's, yeah, it's a frame that's of mind. Right. That's right. Because, you know, you think about when you get to the destination, you know, like I would say to people, well, let's go there. Let's go to the destination. Okay. How was it? Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it lasts for however long it lasts. And then you have to have the next thing. You have to be ready. And, you know, you have to just, you know, be inside of all of it. Like, don't look away. That's the thing. You can't look away. Even, even the crappy stuff. No, the crappy stuff, even though it may be crappy, um, and nobody wants crappy, right? No, nobody wishes that on anybody, but we all have our crappy periods. Um, and it's just, mm-hmm. it's part of life. It's part of the journey. It makes us who we are. Um, mm-hmm. That's right. And, right. You wouldn't be where you are if you didn't have your bad experiences. No. Dating all I those would not bad be... guys and, and horrible. And, they were horrible. <laughs> but it got you to where you are. Right. So, right. That's right. And you have to be ready to let life surprise you because I have to tell you, Jason, I, literally, um, what happened was someone that I loved very deeply died and 
I was just absolutely grief stricken in a surprising way by it. And I decided in that moment, which is how I got started on this whole letting go journey, that I, we all just don't have time to waste. We cannot waste our time here on earth holding on to things that we don't want, that don't serve us. And so I somehow managed to get my, you know what, onto you the could say TEDx. It. <laughs> <laughs> somehow get my not so bony ass up on the TEDx stage. And I had no idea that millions of people would watch that talk. I had no idea. That was a idea. great talk, by the way. I watched it. Thank you. I just got up there with no agenda whatsoever, just because I was so devastated. And I had such an enormous epiphany about things I knew logically my whole life. I know we don't live forever. I know this is to be a truth. However, it, I felt so powerfully compelled to say to people, you got to get to it. You just, you cannot sit in a relationship that's not going to give you what you want for 12 years like I did. You just can't. And boy, my whole life changed. And so you just don't know. And that's the other thing is that if you can find your way to do all these things we're talking about, be okay with the ups and the downs and all parts and pieces of the journey and hold that line on your own big wild love so that if life surprises you, you're, you're there for it. You're not, I didn't plan for this. I can't do this. I didn't expect this. This is now expected of me. I'm supposed to do A, B, C, and D. But what about, you know how to handle it. Because again, you've got the foot pillows. Right, right. <laughs> the inflatables are right always under you. It's I'm like they should those, come up uh, with a new Marvel character. Uh, I'm thinking <laughs> of, I'll date myself a little bit here too. Those, uh, remember when the Nike sneakers with the pumps uh, came out? Yes. <laughs> right, you got to It's great. You got to pump up your sneakers so you can land you gotta, That's right. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. So, man, I I want to I want to I want to talk about big wild love. We've we've you, you've mentioned it so many times and we've talked about it indirectly, but like your book is called Big Wild Love. Yes. And even though we've touched on a lot of things having to do with it, talk to me about it. Like what, what is your definition of big wild love? I love that title. Yeah. Thank you. I'm so proud of this. I really am proud of this book. This is a book that I wish I had when I was in like year five of my relationship or no, maybe when I was 25 and I was dating really badly. Um, So big wild love is really self love with intention. Okay. So it's not, it's not, you know, there's so many ways we talk about self-love now. And, you know, there's the, the, the version of self-love that is, you know, you should always take care of yourself and get a massage and be with your friends and go for a walk and put your feet in the dirt. And I'm for all of those things. I think it's great, but big wild love is really about all the things we've been talking about is getting in the mirror and really understanding who you are, choosing who you are, understanding how you're wired so that you can say, I don't want this belief anymore. This belief was given to me when I was X age. It may have served me then. It's not serving me now. I don't want it. It's knowing what's going on inside of you and motivating you to make the choices that you make in life. 
and being willing to feel bad and being willing to take responsibility, being willing to take chances on yourself and to believe that the things that you want are available and you deserve them, no matter where you are in life, whether you're 25 or 75. Um, And it's knowing that life is going to be all things, but that you are the person that will always be the safety net for yourself. And it's an ongoing process of cultivation. There's always going to be those times when life changes and, you know, hard things happen where you're going to revert back to old wounds and limiting beliefs and old talk tracks because you're wired that way. But when you have an awareness, you can say after that step two, after you've gone through that track, after you've said, everybody else gets a great book launch, but me, (laughs) then you can come back to, wait a minute, because there's a gift in here for me somewhere. And all I have to do is problem solve my way out of it. You can always come back to that because you know that you're going to do the right thing for yourself. And so what I love about Big Wild Love, the concept of Big Wild Love is that it changes the lens for us. It changes the way we see ourselves. And it also then, as a byproduct of that, changes the way we see the world and other people. So when I am now big, wild, loving, and I go into the world and I meet somebody, I'm looking for a partner, I'm dating, I meet some guy who is not big, wild, loving, or who doesn't want to treat me in the way that I now expect, I'm now looking at him in a different way, with a different lens. I'm asking different questions. I'm saying, instead of saying, gosh, I hope he likes me, I'm saying, hmm, I wonder if I'll like him, right? It's a, it's, a compl- it's a complete shift where we no longer go into situations dating and otherwise with a sense of fear or desperation or scarcity or other people's voices in our heads reminding us of all the things we're not or will never be. Now we're going in with a sense of curiosity, adventure, play with our own voices, you know, being able to take you know, when I met my husband, I wore a hat. He tells me it is it was the most dorkiest, horrible hat he'd ever seen. He absolutely hated my hat. I don't care. Like it was a risky, it was a risky choice. I did it. And I love that hat to this day. So, you know, it's it's really about, and I hate using all these words because, you know, Jason, when I was growing up, no one we didn't talk about self-love. When I right. was growing up. We talked about, you know, winning the love of the other person. That was the prize. Right. The emphasis was always on the other one. Right. Right. And in my family, it was like a nice, rich, Jewish, I don't care. That's all we need. <laughs> but, but, you know, um, for, for me, for now, it, the whole idea of self-love and why I'm really calling it big, wild love is because I don't want people to get tripped up on the woo-woo-ness of self-love or the overuse of self-love because it really is at the core cultivating a belief system and holding fast to it that tells you at any given point in time you deserve the things you want they're available to you you're worth it and you'll always be okay because you will always take your best interests at heart and make the best choices for yourself And that means drawing into your life big, wild, loving things, people, events, 
and not sticking around anymore for those things that aren't. And exactly. And the word that comes to mind is empowerment, right? I mean, it it, it is, it is empowerment to think like that and feel like that. And therefore, right. You are. And it's okay. If you trip up every once in a while and you go back to the old place because someone with Big Wild Love eventually knows, wait a minute, I got to come back here. And what I love about pairing that with letting go is that when you have that Big Wild Love, letting go is reflexive because you don't want anything that's not going to serve you. you it's don't a natural hold- byproduct of big wild love. Yeah. It just becomes organic to say, well, this is not right for me. And I actually did that when I moved back, I met this guy. I really liked him. He, he pulled, you know, I say this in my book. I mean, he pulled up all the stuff just like Hector, smart, funny, good looking, charming, all the things just not available. Didn't want what I did. I gave him three dates until I like went in the mirror, whacked myself in the face a little bit. And I said, cut your loss, Jill, because this isn't the guy. He doesn't, he, he'll, three dates can be, will be three years in five minutes, right? Was hard because I liked him. It was hard because I was 41 and he was a guy. How could you tell but after three dates? Because I, I'll tell you how I could tell. Because we would have a great date. And then I wouldn't hear from him for like two weeks. Uh, And then he would call me the day of, and he would invite me out. And we would go out and we would have a great date. And then I wouldn't hear from him. It was like, he would like breach, you know, every once in a while he would like breach up. And the old me would have hated that, but I would have stood for it. Yeah. I would have waited waited and waited. And so I don't do that anymore. And even other parts of my life. I mean, last year I left my big corporate day job to pursue the book and speaking and this whole, you know, new purpose and mission of mine. And it was very, very scary, but I knew that it was time and I knew that I would be okay. And when I left my job, my mom got sick, my dad got sick, global pandemic, all these things. My parents are fine. Thank you. Thankfully, but, but you know, Again, the unexpected, you just don't know. But I took a chance on myself and I don't regret it. It's been great and And awful and great and awful and wonderful and terrible. But, you know, if you don't go, if you don't have the awful, you don't realize how great the great is. Yes. You get it. It's true. And and right. And so, um, and living life with no regret, I I fully subscribe to that. And it's hard. It's hard. Uh, Right. Because it you is. want you want to be safe and you want to do things the way you think you're supposed to do them, but right, you know, especially for those who are listening and and you know going through a bad divorce, you, mm-hmm. you have your whole future ahead of you. Um, and you do, you really do, you really do. I mean, to those people who are really struggling, I would say, like, what really ask the question? What is the struggle? What is, is it the loss of the illusion? Is it the loss of the dream? Is it the loss of the perception of safety? Is it the voices of other people in your head telling you, well, that's it, you're done. 
Is it the voices of disapproval, the voices of, you know, who do you think you are, the voices of you're not enough to make this choice? Because you have to remind yourself that those aren't, those are not your voices. Those are other people's voices. And that, and that is truly the work, you know, leaving Hector, there was so much fear because I felt unsafe. I felt, you know, what if I didn't find this other person? What if I had to do it gasp alone? Right. And so it's fear because we're wired for safety. But if we do, like you're saying, get to that place of it's okay. It's okay. You know, I say, I wish when I was going through it, I could have pulled a tiny ass phone out of my back pocket and saw some strange woman with, you know, a big personality and big red hair. Tell me, just, just do it. You'll be fine. Um, but you know, we, we have to get to that place for ourselves. And you can yeah. have a hundred people tell you that it's going to be fine. But again, it goes back to, you have to buy into it. Right. Right. Believe it. That's right. Yeah. Or at least be willing to take the chance on yourself. Yes. At least say, I am worth the chance. This is my choice. I can hold on or I can let go. If I hold on, this will be my life. If I let go, this will be my life. Which do I want? The other thing is to say, this is what I want. And this is what I have. Right. And this is what I want. And how do I get there? Reverse right. 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 If I don't, if what I want and what I have don't match up, start there, start where the gaps are. And it's not going to happen in one day and you have to accept it. No. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. man. Yeah. What a great yeah. chat, Jill. Um, yeah. We're out of time, but I'm going to have to have you on again because there's so much to talk about. Uh, and, <laughs> uh, and I love talking with you. Where can people find you? Where can they find a copy of Big Wild Love? So they can find me, um, you can buy Big Wild Love at anywhere the books are sold. If it's easy, go to all the, where we all, you know, put all of our retirement funds, which is Amazon. Uh, <laughs> there's an audio book too, which is on Audible. And um, you can access, you can reach me at letgoforit.com, which is my website. And then I'm on Facebook and Instagram at letgoforit and LinkedIn, Jill Shira Murray. You can just Google my name all these millions of places will come up. And I'll have, I'll have those links too in the show notes uh, on my website podcast page, not the, wherever you listen to uh, podcasts, not that page. So I'll, I'll lift all, list all those links for you. So you don't have to worry about writing them down or remembering them now. Jill, thank you so much for being a guest. You, I think that was such an inspirational talk we had, and I can't wait to talk to you more. Yes. So fun. Thank you for having me on your show. I really enjoyed it. It was great. All right. No, thank you, Jill. And I thought that was a great talk. And I hope everybody got a little something out of it and found it a little bit entertaining as well. I mean, the the title, Big Wild Love. Don't you just want to see that on a billboard somewhere, right? Just Big Wild Love. I just love, I just love that title. I thought it was great. Maybe I'll make a shirt. I don't know. We'll see. Depends how bored I get, right? <laughs> so hope you enjoyed that. Now, let's turn to you. 
if you're listening to this and you are looking for some personal help with your divorce and you're looking for some divorce coaching from a former divorce attorney turned divorce coach, well, then reach out to me, Jason at JasonLavoy.com. Uh, you check out my website, JasonLavoy.com, and uh, I can talk to you about how I may be able how I may be able to help. Also, if you like this episode and this was the first time you've listened to this podcast, shame on you. No, I'm just kidding. But subscribe. You get all new episodes when they come out, and you can go back and check out all the past episodes as well. We cover lots of topics all about divorce and have great experts to shed their insight uh, all about divorce also. So, that being said, stay tuned for the next episode coming your way soon. In the meantime, all I'm going to ask you to do is be strong, act confident, and stay positive. I'm Jason Lavoy, a.k.a. The Divorce Resource Guy, and I'll be seeing you real soon.